welcome to the See For Yourself podcast, the podcast where we give the synopsis for a film, we talk about our various expectations for it, stop the podcast, go watch uh, the movie, and then come back, talk about the things we saw, things we didn't see. I am your host, Fraggle Rock, and I am joined today by... Happy to be here. Uh, Pirate Steve. Uh, Pirate Steve and Happy herself. I know that uh, today we were going to see uh, the new Batman movie, 2022, uh, I believe, directed by Matt Reeves. And I'm just going to jump right into the plot synopsis here. Batman ventures into the city of Gotham and its underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. And that's that's our plot synopsis. That's pretty bare bones. I like pretty short. I wonder who that could be. One of the one of the things that we use here on the uh, on the See for Yourself podcast is where we allow for trailers, and I think the trailers have indicated that the Riddler is sort of the the big villain here. If Cryptic Clues wasn't going to be the the telling tale there, mm-hmm. yeah. So even the even the plot synopsis kind of gives it away a little bit. Did you guys have any uh, any any thoughts on on, on the Riddler or on uh, on Batman as a whole? So I love the Riddler just because like some of the villains have had more realistic interpretations. Like in the Gotham series, the Penguin was like, oh, why do we call the guy the Penguin? And it's because he's got like a gimpy walk. And it's like, that's how you make a supervillain is shit on somebody for their gimpy walk. Um, and that's realistic. But, you know, typically the villains are, I fell into a vat of laughing gas and now I'm the Joker. Or I was thrown into a river and raised by penguins. And that's why they call me the Penguin. Whereas like the Riddler can only be a certain thing and it's like i can totally see the realism behind i'm a genius surrounded by peons and it's made me evil (laughs) because we sort of experience that in real life a lot right (laughs) right so that that's why i like the riddler it's just it seems the most like it the consist it's consistently a good background no like no matter what they throw at it it's always going to be consistently realistic or something that you can get behind or at least empathize with. Happy, what do you think? So, like, for me, I can't say I've consumed every piece of Batman media that there is. True. But, like, my mental image of the Riddler is, uh, like, comic books where he's got, like, bright green suit and, like, purple question marks and he's, like, goofy. And I'm interested to see him in, like, a more... Gritty. Like, gritty and, like, serious portrayal. If that makes sense. So, ju- just for my input on this, I always see the Riddler as, like, the perfect cross-section between, like realistic i understand how like a realistic villain might come about and like comic book wacky adam west sort of he's a he's a villain who thinks that he's smarter and better than other people which is like very realistic there's a lot of people like that who dive deep into narcissism and sort of like come up with i'm gonna do horrific things but also specifically as a consistent part of his character is i'm also gonna include these wacky little riddles (laughs) like like that's inherently sort of a silly thing right i think a lot Um, of people have seen whatever the previous iteration of the Riddler was, where it's uh, Jim Carrey versus mm-hmm. What's-His-Face. I forget that particular Batman, but I do remember it was Jim Carrey. And and that was wacky. Like, I don't remember him ever doing anything that was, like, really smart, but I, I recall that it was a wacky character. So the thing I didn't like about that Riddler was it was so much Jim Carrey and so little Riddler. Yeah. It was a lot of Jim Carrey. So on that note, though, you mentioned that you're looking forward to seeing a more dark and gritty, like, take on the Riddler. What has indicated to you that that will be the case in this film? Do you think that there is a possibility it could be a more jovial, comedic comic book-esque Riddler, or is it straight gonna be gritty, noir-esque sort of drama? I guess, like, the last piece of Batman media that I saw was, like, Batman versus Superman. Visually, like, that whole movie very dark. Also, did not leave a huge impression on me, because the only scene I can remember is, uh, Martha? 
Martha's your mother? But I feel like modern day, like superhero, like Marvel and comics, like they're shifting towards a grittier, darker, kind of like diving into mental health sort of thing. So I guess that's where my uh, my idea for this movie is going to be, but I will just have to see. It's interesting that you say that because like the most recent Marvel superhero movie would be like what's Spider-Man uh, No Way that. Home. I haven't seen that Which one. is a pretty upbeat movie most of the way. And then there's like there's darker bits here and there. And then, like, I think the one coming up now is, like, Thor Love and Thunder, which is a Taika Waititi film and is almost exclusively going to be very lighthearted, fun, campy. I haven't um, seen it, but Moon Knight sure, yeah. comes to mind. And I know, like, they had a trigger warning before, like, a certain episode or something like that, where that one's really dark. But I guess that's more like what I want to see. Especially when I think Batman, I think dark and gritty. So when uh, you brought up the Love and Thunder, the Thor one, <laughs> and I, I saw only the poster for it that they, they had, and immediately I thought of how like he was in like crippling PTSD depression in the endgame thing where he's like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do the thing. I'm the hero that couldn't do the thing, and it just completely wrecked him. <laughs> and so him sitting there cross-legged almost in a meditation pose, like, I really like that interpretation of it. Like, I know it's supposed to be lighthearted or something like that. For for them to deep dive into, like, how you come to grips with not doing the thing, right. um, That that's compelling to me. Well, well, like, the reason I say that it's lighthearted is that it's going to, again, be directed by Taika Waititi. And, like, the last movie that Taika Waititi did for Marvel was uh, Thor Ragnarok. And if you remember in Thor Ragnarok, very lighthearted, very fun, very campy. But also, Thor's dad dies in that movie. (laughs) And they just, like, skip right over that, like, part of it. They're like, yeah, our dad's dead, Loki. And he's like, I'm sad about that also. But we've got other things to be doing, and we're (laughs) going to get to those now. And so, like, certainly there is, like, a degree of, you know, like, comic book movies that want to be more, like, gritty and serious and be taken, like, in that way. But, like, even Batman, you know, like, of all the characters, there is a, a side of Batman that is very much the, the wacky, goofy, like... Uh, Holy rusted metal Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll use my shark repellent. You know, yeah. that, that kind of Batman. And it's interesting to me that, especially ever since uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy came out, people are just assuming that's the way we have to do Batman. But, like, one of the best Batman movies to have come out recently, and specifically after Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, is the Lego Batman movie. It is such a, like, unbridled and loving, affectionate letter to, like, Batman fans and the Batman mythos as it has been iterated in every single iteration. It's just a great movie. Yeah, just a, just a very fun time to watch, really. But what I have noticed, I don't know if it's intruding on the movies as much as it is the comic books, but I did see a video recently talking about how comic books in general have just tried to be more gritty and... Maybe not realistic, but that's definitely what they're trying to portray, is that it's not... And in this week, Superman has yet another power that lets him defeat the villain. They, you know, they're exploring, like, hey, what if what if all the superheroes were just in a post-apocalyptic world? And isn't that dramatic? And it's like they just want to be darker and, and try to make a point. So that's interesting to me in that, like... Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that there's a point where, like gritty realism reaches a point of like hyper gritty realism where it's no longer believable and it's just sort of ridiculous did you ever see um the spirit oh gosh i think i might have it was super comical and they had samuel jackson as the octopus or something like that (sighs) Nah, i can't really remember but um that that was supposed to be detective noir and super gritty and like artistic blood splatter and, and all that stuff but i think that was 
kind of what you're getting at. That's on the farther end of like, this is so like overly gritty that it's its own kind of fantastical. That makes me think of, I can't remember what it's from, but you know like Rorschach? Oh, The Watchmen. Yeah. The Watchmen. That's, I would consider that pretty gritty. At least the scenes that stick out to me all set around him where he's like, you're stuck in here with me. As far as like gritty goes, because now I'm thinking of like Marvel, it's a little bit of both, like lighthearted, definitely directed towards children. But Tony Stark, for example, like, like he's got PTSD. Like he's and had alcoholism. And yeah, he has had it rough. He's just a guy with a lot of money, just like Batman's a guy with a lot of money. It's really just a story of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> but for Batman, like in every iteration of Batman, like his parents are going to die. Like they, they have to. Otherwise, how do you get Batman? Sure. Yeah. So I think that's worth probably uh, jumping straight into what are some predictions we think will be in this movie? I know you guys both have not seen it. So what what do you think is going to be in it? What do you think will be excluded from it? What is What are, what are some predictions we have here? His parents are going to die. Okay. And as far as far as what I hope to see, I definitely want to see Robert Pattinson shirtless. That has to happen. Okay, okay. Other than that. I know that because it's for public consumption, the Riddler cannot be the genius I really hope for him to be. What I want is for him to be such an overwhelmingly powerful mental force against Batman, who was originally just a detective, and have this be a battle of wits. But I know that because he's the bad guy, he's got to be stupid, and he's got to make mistakes, and he's got to... Which I guess is something to say about, like, the Riddler. Like, that's going to be his flaws, that, like, I can't make mistakes. And and then he makes a mistake, and so there's something compelling there, but it's going to be something stupid. It, I know it is. It's going to be, like, his ego that is his weakness in the end. Well, well that that's inherently, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that what, what James might be annotating here, and don't let me speak for you if I'm speaking out of turn, but I think that, like... You're speaking to the fact that, like, if it is his ego that, like, gets in the way, that's interesting. But if it's just, like, Batman's like, yeah, but you didn't consider that if I had a black light, I'd be able to find all these things. It's, yeah, it's, like it's going to be something so, so stupid that you're, like, a genius would have known. Or or some, it's going to be something that, for the sake of the movie continuing the plot on and for Batman to win, something stupid's going to happen. It's not going to be, like... It never occurred to me that you'd solve the riddle. It's going to be like, I left my actual fucking fingerprints somewhere and like, ha ha ha. Sure, yeah. But uh, you don't want it to be something that's like, what? You're a detective? I never would have thought. It right. has to be something like, something like, oh, I, I, but because of my hubris and I never thought you would look there, I placed the murder weapon in the attic and, oh, you, you, you like... You actually did investigation and looked right. around and, like, you, you didn't were able to... You did the to... dance that I wanted you to do. Yeah. You, you did something different that I... I never expected. And that's compelling. And I, I, I want to see it, and I don't feel like I'm going to see it. Okay. Okay. That's, a, that's an interesting take on it. You know that there are other characters other than Batman and the Riddler in the movie. What are some characters you're hoping to see? Are there? Are there? I didn't like, know this that. is a thing? Of course, there have to be other characters. Well, all right. There's, there's Commissioner Gordon, sure. Sure. Okay. Right. That's okay. a good one. That's a yep. good one. There's, um... God, is the boy wondering that? No, he can't be. Oh, man, I, I well, who really could be, love to see like a modern day Who Ryan. could be more boyish than Robert Pattinson? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are good predictions to make if you want to make them. Um, God, are they going to fit? I know in like 
from what I've heard about the Spider-Man No Way Home, they like crammed like the original Doc Ock and the original Goblin, and like they just crammed a bunch of villains. So is the Riddler gonna team up with the Penguin? Who knows? Um, because God, just, the Riddler is so antithetical to the rest of the Batman. So far, films. we've had as, as options for like predictions that we made. We have Commissioner Gordon, which feels pretty safe. Sure. Um, Robin, which you know it's not out of the. We've had a we've had Batman sure. movies with Robin in them before, and the Penguin. And, and the fucking Penguin is like another villain who could potentially be in the film. There's nothing wrong with that guess either like oh are we gonna go back to because in the original one with jim carrey did, didn't he also play alongside mr freeze were those were those the same movie in jim carrey it's uh two-face he plays along is it two-face yeah. okay you're thinking the one with mr freeze has poison ivy oh uh, that's right okay Two-Face uh, is also in the one with Heath Ledger, right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, actually, yeah. Two-Face Two uh, has uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. So that's uh, the uh, Dark Knight, uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan trilogy, yeah. So so which villain would you want to see play alongside the, the Riddler? Like, which which one is as close to being mentally on par to the Riddler that they could work together? Whereas, like, I think in the past it's been the Riddler, and I want... Uh, the penguin to be wacky son of a bitch on the side of him. Another thing we haven't even talked about is Superman going to show up in this movie? Like it's not just Batman. Do you think it's connected to the the like Justice League thing they're trying to do, and they're trying to get away from Ben Affleck as Batman and try to connect Robert Pattinson as, as the new Batman? Who like these are predictions to be potentially made. You know, Joker's another character who's very popular. Maybe they jam him in here somewhere, or or uh, Clayface is a fun character. They've got Ryan Reynolds coming in as the Green Lantern to try and save that performance. I mean. <laughs> Maybe. I think a lot of it like depends on what stage Batman in this iteration is in his career as Batman. Like, are we going to go through the origins? Are we? Oh, is like this we like his first his growth and stuff? Right. Is this like his first villain that he's dealing with, or has he been doing this for a while? Is this the sick of this shit? I'm too old for this Batman. That's. A, I think that's a really good, you know, uh, uh, question to ask. Like. Where is Batman in his journey, and how many times has he faced something like the Riddler before? Is this, like, a freak thing to him, or is he starting to think this is going to be a recurring problem where weirdos come out of the woodwork and he's got to face off against something more than a petty mugger? That's a good question. Personally, I I don't want to go through the origins again, if that makes sense. Like, I feel Which like origins? The origins of Batman, like, his early... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm turning into Batman. Here's my, like, first, which we might see, we might not, but I just feel like we've explored that. So you sort of predicted the, like, death of his parents, not because that's something you want to see, but because you think it's something that... Like, it it just, happens in every It Batman. just has to happen. It's how, you, it's how you become Batman. Right. Like, like I said, what is Batman if his parents were alive? Can you think of a way to explore that without, like, including that in the movie? No. Okay. Not really. I I don't know. I'm interested hey, that, to see. That's okay. If, if what if, they do with it. That's perfectly fine. If you can't if you can't imagine it, like you know, maybe it'll be there. Maybe it won't. Maybe it is something that we just have to keep using for forever. Who's to I, say? I would love to see. Like on that note, that like the flips. Like what could be so tragic that happened that Batman, who grows up with two loving parents for his entire life, what could so tragically happen? To cause him to become the Cape Crusader. That's a really that, good that'd question. Be, that'd be really cool. Do you think they'll explore that in this movie? Where both of his parents are still alive and he's just kind of like... Probably not. Finding a way to be Batman without them dying? Do I, th- do I think that's going to happen? No. But that would be interesting to see. God, be pretty love, neat, right? I would be love pretty to cool. see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's probably as good of it as any prediction we're going to get. So we're going to go ahead and cut it here and we're going to move right into the movie. Uh, and we will be back in a short bit. We are back. 
But we have fully watched the three hours of The Batman, and boy was it three hours of movie. Oh, mercy. Uh, to, be, uh, to be fair, there's uh, ten minutes of credits at the end. Okay, yeah, so two hours and 50 minutes. My apologies. I apologize, <laughs> Matt Reeves and, and, and Robert Pattinson, all the, all the people who did a lot of hard work Don't on The Batman. Don't forget about Peter Craig. And Peter Craig, who f- helped write it. I, I, uh, I wish we had gone through and found out who the gr- key grip was. The key grip never gets enough credit. That's true. Uh, whoever key gripped for the Batman, I am too lazy to look it up right now, and I apologize for that. Were there were there any specific things that you guys wanted to jump into right away? I know that uh, there were a couple of predictions we made that didn't end up coming to fruition. Would you like to jump in on that, or would you like to just jump in on... I, I'm going to say my one smart thing about the explosions, just because I want right to get that out of the way, and then I can do all my stupid shit. Mm-hmm. So... I had an immediate complaint to the first, uh, what is it, the, the DA has the collar around his neck and he explodes. Yep. My immediate complaint was that their cuts basically ended up with pillar of flame that comes out of the floor, but no DA. No blood. And and Happy mentioned that there was no blood. And that was my complaint, was that it was poor pyrotechnics, in my opinion. But then it recalled to me, explosion means man died. That's what it means every time. All the time, if there's an explosion, man died. Commissioner Gordon? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Alfred didn't die, and there was an explosion. So, there, you know, I'm just countering your point. That, that is that is true, but it we were... It does depend how we define death. He uh, Does losing consciousness or becoming so close to death that you're bedridden for some amount of time death? In no. the film, effectively, it kind of is. No, His character lived. was... Well, he lived, yes. But his character was removed from the film for the rest of the movie. Exactly. We got him waking up. Was All right, we got him waking scene. up for some like crappy. Uh, we'll talk about how crappy that was later. <laughs> um, but but yes, for for an effective use of scene, that was an attempt on his life, and he was presumed dead, and then woke up in the hospital, and was barely a role continuing in that movie, despite being like fairly prominent in the crime solving up till that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he helped Batman a lot. So, so that 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 was my that was my smart thing. Explosion mean death, and so my complaints about how the pyrotechnics were handled uh, are kind of written off as. But there was an explosion. I think, uh, unfortunately, Happy has sort of uh, stolen your thunder here in terms of like, stating something smart. Yeah, yeah, she did. There was no blood. There was no blood. Why not Happy? Why was there no blood? I don't know. No, it tell was... me, tell me why. You got it. They didn't do a good job shooting that scene. That's not what it is. Well, why was there no They didn't accept Did he live? Like, what think, happened think there? Think about this in terms of opposites. You're thinking that because there was no blood, they did a bad job. What's the opposite of that? I don't know. Because there was no blood, they did a good job. Oh, really? A man died without gore. I don't know. What, is that, what does that do for I us? I just want to see his head blow up. As, as filmmakers, what does that do for us? Drops it down to PG-13. Bam. <laughs> oh, okay, but when we counter that with the initial scene, the first person that uh, the brother was there any blood? Yeah, where? Te- technically, yes, on, on the weapon. on the weapon, on the weapon, but not coming out of the man. Correct. Only when we see his body there, and there's the like stickiness of like we don't even hardly see that, oh, but, but we do see it. But the tape covers up his head, so you don't see it coming out of a human. But hand. we see it when he's laying there before he tapes him up. There's like essentially we don't. What we Cameraman see, what is, what is, Im, what is uh, implied and what is actually there determines quite a bit for what you're allowed to rate the movie at. I'm but, just saying like the level of shock value and gore there, there's a distinct difference between that initial scene and then this blowing up scene, which I just feel like they could have done better. The compelling part of this is, I think what you're really getting at is, this movie should not have been PG-13. I mean, they mm, could have just I would have appreciated movie. that, actually. If we had bumped it up to a... 
shit, I would have gone as far as an R if, like, I don't know how the ratings work. I'll, but I'll tell you right now. It's G, PG, PG-13, and R, and then it's unrated. There's no longer an X. Because X implies, like, adult film. Okay, but it's, it, it's, it implies pornography. Yeah. And they don't want it's that. a superhero, and you can't see that, but I'm doing, like, air quotes, superhero movie. And it's supposed to be directed towards children. Theoretically. As a superhero movie, sure. Theoretically. Oh, we no, look no. at Marvel, and like, it's definitely directed towards children, even if they touch on... You tell me, is this Batman movie directed at kids? No. Right? Not even a little, right? They, no. they want it to be allowed to have kids see the movie. I think they want to trick parents into letting their kids watch this movie. I think that they know that PG-13 is the widest audience they can possibly get, basically, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like... Realistically, the widest audience is G, but there was no way they were going to get that. Can we talk about another thing that I just... Well, let's finish, like let, they let's did finish this up first, just because like, I think this is compelling in its own right. Sure. Because if it had been an R movie and they had been able to push that boundary all the way up to R, would that have made a better movie? Tell me all the things that would have been different if this were an R movie. He would have had sex with Catwoman. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very serious <laughs> thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, probably. That could have happened. Would have been more than a kiss. The, the underground club would have been more vulgar, like aside from this uh, eye drop thing, which I think is like very much towing the line of, of drug use. Yeah, because they can't have drugs in a PG-13 movie, basically. Well, so they had to make them a new drug that you take through your eye. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of the workaround for that, isn't it? Yeah, because yes. they're not doing drugs. There's no eye drop drug. That what other workarounds I can't remember use? what he said, but um, the DA yeah. is doing drops. Drops. And, he's a dropper. And Batman's like, oh, he's what? Like... Fucked up? Messed oh, yeah, yeah, up? He, but what was the word that he used? Uh, messed up? It was something along those lines. We were basically getting at the fact that he was drunk. They didn't say high or drunk. Right, but, but he was that's trashed my point or is something. They were towing the line. Mm-hmm. And we know. And it would have been better if they just said, like, like oh man, this guy is <laughs> messed up. Like, seriously, like, he's drunk off his ass right now. You know that a PG 13 movie gets one fuck. One fuck, yes, I know. Did they say fuck? Nope. Really? They, they didn't use it. their one fuck? They wasted it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, for all those things, for how us about, to how see... about this one, where uh, Batman's like, was it worth it? And she's like, what? And he's like, compromising your body. He's calling her a prostitute. She weaponized her sexuality. He's calling her a prostitute. Okay, right. I'm just saying. And while we're going to well, either, either way, on, yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's basically alluding to the fact he's that He's basically she's, saying, was it worth becoming a whore? Yeah. And she's saying, like, yeah. No, she's saying, you're privileged to think that, like, I shouldn't use every, like, weapon at my disposal here. Right. They literally said he's white privilege. You're, you're, and where yeah. have we had a they movie... They said that several times. Where have we had voting. a movie where they just openly say, like, okay, you're white, and you come from money, therefore... You don't understand how the world works. And right. It, it is kind of crazy that she sort of, like, goes back on that in the end scene where she's like... Oh, like let's go and we can move to Bloodhaven and we'll like we'll catch some like scummy like rich guys, you know. Like she she mentions that as if she thinks the she's CEOs. like CEOs. She's yeah. like taking back what she said earlier. Like you you are against these rich assholes. Like you're with me, aren't you, Batman? But he's like, oh no, not really. <laughs> Hedge fund managers. That's, that's I, I'm not one of those, but I think that's horrible. Um, Why would you? But steal? yeah, so as, it doesn't belong to you. <laughs> just to wrap that thought up. For it being like, I think they could have very well made this an R movie and it wouldn't have changed a whole lot. So I guess it's fair for them to lean towards the PG-13. To make more money. But if that, yeah, if he, if somebody had this idea that they wanted the gritty Batman, it could have been solidly gritty and like not a worse movie for it. And it didn't need to be three hours long. That was another complaint of mine. I just felt it was really long. I agree that it did not need to be three hours long. There were a lot of plot points that they sort of like wrapped up very rapidly. 
But did you notice that where it's like, wow, we're kind of done with this now, huh? Hey, the commissioner's kind of a ship. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, there were a lot of things that like seemed like they were going to be like a whole film thing, and they kind of got wrapped up really quickly. And even the one that was like a full film thing, it was like, wow, I feel kind of cheated by the end of this. Like, sheesh. There are also some things that I felt like were really empty, like um, like the boy, like the kid. They share these yeah. two like meaningful glances, and I'm just like. That's Robin. That's Robin. 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 That's going to be Robin. Sure, they're probably alluding to like having more movies in the future, but I just felt like the fact that they didn't even exchange a line. Glances. Right, no line, but it's like I feel really empty on this interaction. What were all of the what, what were all the future movies that you think were being alluded to? Like name everything you think is like an illusion okay, to. Okay, well, we get to the end and the Joker's in Arkham and sure. he's like what matters more when you have less of them? Friends. And then he's laughing blindly. I loved that, by the way. I loved that. As that was a, a good line. And I thought that was really good tying into the Joker. Sorry, tying into the Riddler. I thought that was brilliant and I loved it. Well, you're, you know. You've got a hard on for the I have a hard on for I am rock solid for the Riddler. Obviously, they're implying like, okay, next movie, here's the Joker. And he's already in Arkham. And this is what we're going to have. Okay, what else? The Penguin as a main character, because he was not a main character in this movie. Yeah, he was very much a side character. didn't have a whole lot going on. They've set him up to be a main character. I mean, he had plenty going on for sure. But yeah, as the main criminal, as opposed to we were leaning on the Falcone, I think they definitely set up the Penguin for a future movie. What else? What else we got? Uh, got, Like you said about the Robin, we have three scenes with a potential Robin. Right on. Assuming that that was all the same kid. Um, Sure. What else? This is also... they They mentioned... Well, according to you, they mentioned, but I saw his notebook. So he's only been Batman for two years. Yep. Like, late, we can see a grizzled, sick of this shit Batman in a future movie. That's very true. Yeah, we could do. We could transition to that. Sure. So we had the the Return of the Riddler. Uh, Joker makes a reference to that, where he's like, Batman loves it, or uh, uh, Gotham loves a comeback story. Mm-hmm. So we have a potential future movie with Riddler's return. Probably United. Watch it be Joker. called exactly. Potentially, yeah. And certainly Matt Reeves has shown that he's capable of juggling various characters here. And while it wasn't perfectly done, it was very serviceable. We also have Bane. Do we have Bane? Yeah. Uh, Batman uses that green vial of liquid that makes him strong and aggressive. Uh, all right. That's fair. That's fair. There's like a very quick tie-in to Bane. Can I point out, like, while we're talking about this... Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little bit of an issue with faces. I wasn't sure, but I felt like that was the guy that was in the church that was he saying, was. like, that oh, was that guy. yeah, yeah, they never, that was they the... weren't there for my daughter. He and deserves everything he got, and right? then he was one of the Riddler's fanboys. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely a tie-in. And then we have, uh, other than uh, Bane, we have Hush, who is one of the, like, uh, I don't even know that Nope, one. you lost me. Yeah, so, okay, uh, there's a couple of references to this, and they sort of, like, muddle the line between uh, Riddler and Hush, like, they kind of mix the two characters, but Hush is a character in uh, a Batman chronology, typically in the comic Hush, uh, that also involves Catwoman as a main character in that uh, uh, comic line, and Hush is sort of a character who knew Batman when he was young, and they, like, they both had, like, rich families that knew one another, interacted with one another, but Hush's family was sort of, like, casted out for various reasons and he's mad at the Wayne family because of that. Okay. And he becomes a villain to Batman called Hush. Named Hush, yes. To try to like uh, not only destroy like Batman but to destroy the reputation of the Wayne specifically. The legacy. Yeah. 
All right. So I hadn't where heard is he referenced reference besides like pointing out? The they legacy. say that uh, the guy was given hush money, and then they show a picture of him with the word hush over the the name. I don't okay. think they show a picture of him. I think they show a picture of uh, Bruce or uh, Thomas Wayne, but the word hush is there. They definitely bring up the guy that was killed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a good argument to be made that maybe he wasn't killed and he'll come back as like a seeking vengeance on the Wayne's legacy. I did enjoy, um, because like I'm not, I'm not super boned up on the, um, comic series, but from what I was aware, I did not previously hear this story of the Wayne's and the Arkham's. Because I've, I've always wondered where that was from, because Arkham screams Lovecraft stuff to me just because that's where I get it from. But for the Waynes and the Arkhams to be the founding fathers of Gotham, like, I've never heard that backstory. And for Martha Wayne to be Martha Arkham married to Thomas Wayne. So in some iterations for Martha, she's Martha Kane before she becomes Martha Wayne. Okay. Um, but there are iterations where she is Martha Arkham. That's, so, I it, think that's a brilliant, like, I think that's brilliant as far as, like, because I like seeing this stuff where Bruce Wayne's father was into shady shit. So, because I think that's a brilliant story to have something, like, he was a good man, says Alfred, and he can be a good man, but even good men do horrible things. And, like, that's... Not, not, not they do horrible things. They make mistakes. Right. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do a horrible thing. He trusted someone to not do something awful, and then that person did something awful, as you would expect that person to do. Well, sure. it was someone awful, and he should have known. So it's yeah. kind of either painting him as naive. Naive, yeah. Thank so you. how do you feel about the movie doing that, where it's like, Thomas Wayne was a piece of shit. And then it goes, no, 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 he wasn't a piece of shit. He made a mistake, and he was a very good man. I like that they left it ambiguous. And did it's they like, leave it ambiguous? I feel like they did, yes. I feel to like... an extent, because Alfred can't say, like, oh, it was the Penguin and his men, or, like, Falcone, whatever, it, it was them, or no, it was... He does These try people, to leave it ambiguous. Or it was a random thug. Like, we don't know. You're conflating two different things. Whether or not Thomas Wayne is a bad man is separate from who killed him. Because all you're arguing is that, like, because we aren't sure who killed him, that means we aren't sure if he's a good man or not. In fact, the movie makes it very clear that he was a good man by having uh, Alfred argue that and at the same time defame uh, Falcone. You cannot trust Falcone. He's a bad man. Why would you trust him? It makes it, the movie makes itself very clear. We were going to claim that Thomas Wayne was a bad man and leave it at that. But then, and we're kind of getting into that scene that you wanted to mention, fucking Batman or Bruce Wayne accosts Alfred on his goddamn deathbed. Practically. <laughs> He's over here like barely reaching consciousness. And the first thing he says is, you lied to me my whole life. And like fucking Alfred's like, what mate? <laughs> like, goddamn. I know that could have been like, I'm coming for you, Winifred or whatever the fuck that thing is. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, so it's, it's not that Alfred is arguing that like, we're unsure if Thomas was a good man or not. It's we're unsure who killed him. Was it Falcone? I don't know. Was it Maroney? I don't know. Was it just a random guy in the street? I don't know. But not, I don't know if he's a good man or not. He, he makes was a very, about his decision. He makes a very concise argument for he was a good man. And his argument's so strong that it kind of takes back everything we've had before. And I think that if you're left thinking, maybe he's a good man, maybe he's not. You're not paying attention. You could argue he's a stupid man. Yes. Yeah. Naive. Like, it's, like you again, said. it's reframing it from like... I still feel like it's a little... Just a little bit. They want you to think about it. It's a little. I would feel better about it if uh, it was less. Good men make mistakes, and more. 
good men do like at least for my for my own like head canon narrative for this whole thing because batman is very strongly in his morals and he's like i don't kill i do not kill people and doesn't question whether that's good for the city or not sending people to arkham just for them to escape again what that means for him so for us to explore his father as a good man who in this case makes mistakes but in my own like heart i would love it for him to be i'm a good man who does bad things for good results i would love that can we argue like the very fact that this reporter um uncovers information related to martha wayne right and it's obviously information that he doesn't want to get out he's willing to do what it takes to quote put the fear of god in this man so this information doesn't come out regardless like that's not a good thing you can't argue that's a good thing there is something here right? so there is a little bit of amb- like ambiguous intent if, if your significant other is a mentally distraught individual with mental health issues that you're not very familiar with because you probably don't have those kinds of like struggles in your life but you know that they struggle with this very deeply and very profoundly right and you don't understand it very fully yourself and you know that this is the kind of thing that might set them off and potentially end in death for this person that you love. I mean, you don't know. You're ignorant, right? You don't know. You haven't, you're a rich person, right? You don't, you're, you're coming from like, Privilege. I don't know how this shit works. You're privileged. They, they do lean on the fact that it also includes like this bullshit with Martha's mother and father kill a uh, murder suicide but like you're saying maybe that wasn't his intent maybe his intent was purely like my wife has these episodes and i don't know how that could end if this all came to light i mean obviously we can look at it like um with through a modern lens and say like this is a way to open up discussion about mental health but well, like, well, clearly alfred, alfred makes it clear that that's what thomas was doing thomas was he wasn't trying to look out for his family image he was looking out campaign. for your mother he cared about her he wanted to protect her. And like specifically with the imagery of Martha's mother committed murder-suicide because of her mental health problems. And like even that's something that we should look into, right? Like did she do it because she had like a psychotic break or something? Or did she do it because of other reasons that we need to investigate in a further film? But like with that information and just that information, it's very easy for someone to react very aggressively to like, hey, you're doing something that might cause my wife to have like a mental break and I cannot allow for that. When you put it that way, I can see it. And for him to be so naive as to be like, because when you're talking to a like when we have this separation of Thomas Wayne as the goodest boy and um, what's his face Falcone, what's his first name? I don't remember. Carmine. Carmine Falcone as the baddest boy. For Thomas Wayne to be like, I want you to put the fear of God on this man. It's like what he probably meant is I would like for you to tell his pastor. I would like for you to threaten to tell his pastor. You know, who knows what that meant. <laughs> tell his mommy and daddy that he's being a bad, bad boy. Exactly. <laughs> who knows what Thomas Wayne meant, but put the fear of God on that man. It's like, give him a good stern slap across the wrist and tell him not to do it again. Whereas Carmine is like, oh, like, how many fingers would you like me to remove from he this man? He also openly, like, they openly discuss the fact that he tried to bribe this man. Right, like, because that is that is the cleanest way to go about it. Like, hey, I will pay you to please not do the thing. It's like settling out of court in, yeah. in their minds, I imagine. Which does not make them... But, but yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at. We don't know what Thomas Wayne's intent was, but I would like to think as the goodest boy, he wanted the cleanest ending there. And he went to the man who can get anything done and said, go do the thing. Thinking that Carmine was going to do the thing. And Carmine said, well, I cut off all ten of his fingers. And he said he'd still do the story. So I killed him. That's like saying 
trying to say like cut and dry that Batman is a good man, like a good person. Is he? Well, that's why I want to make the point that I would love for Thomas Wayne to be the bad man. I would like for him to be this the, the good gray. man that does this the bad gray. thing. And that's how I interpret him is Bray. He's not perfect, but we also don't get to see firsthand perspective. Like, we're going to listen to Alfred, who obviously thought the world of this person probably could do no wrong in his eyes. And there's a good argument also to be made that, like, Alfred is not a trustworthy narrator because he wants to make uh, Bruce Wayne happy. He wants to look out for him. He wants to care for him. And so we can't necessarily trust everything that Alfred is saying. He might be giving a relatively accurate uh, representation of things, but he might be overplaying how uh, how much of a perfect good boy Thomas Wayne was in order to like keep up that image for Bruce, which would be an interesting thing to cover in a later film, you know, where like wow, Alfred actually did lie about something, and like this isn't an accurate representation of things. Bruce uh, Thomas wasn't the goodest boy, mm-hmm. which is fair. Like I I really I talk about how compelling villains are their own heroes in their story, and so I would love for Thomas Wayne. To not just be the, the man who made a mistake and trusted Falcone because he was naive, which doesn't fit. Like, we can't write this back into this. I don't think it would work well to write this back into the story. It was like, oh, no, he knew Falcone was going to kill the man. But for that to be the inter- – I would have loved to see that interpretation where Thomas Wayne knew the ramifications of everything he was going to ask for, but knew that the greater good was at stake here. I do think that this is part of the sickness of the film. and It wants to do the PG-13 thing. It doesn't want to push of, those boundaries. Yeah. No. It wants to keep the Batman mythos pretty much as it is. Like, effectively, it's you know, your standard Batman fare. It's fine for them to, like, go back on it later and have Alfred explain, no, like, you know, Thomas was a good man. But why not have Batman sit in it for a while? It's literally the very next scene. The one scene Batman's like, Falcone, he really was a bad man? Oh, no. And then the very next scene, it's, Alfred, you lied to me my whole life. And then Alfred explains that that's not the case. It's very jarring back to back like that. And for that not to have, like, a ramification for Bruce's psyche, for him to be like, now I don't know what to believe. But he's like... I don't know. No, Alfred's a pretty pretty stand-up guy. Yeah, clearly, he was telling the truth. It really pre- presents Bruce as uh, childish and stuck in that period of his life. I think you're hitting on another thing that you pointed out while we were watching, in that like Batman kind of looks like a sort of like sad teenager. He looks like a... <laughs> That, like, 2010, like, edgy boy haircut, and it just, like, it does not fit him. Angsty fallout boy. I don't know if it's, like, I'm looking at Robert Pattinson and, like, seeing him as a certain way in my head, but also, like, it just doesn't fit him. But well, it doesn't fit Robert Pattinson or doesn't it fit Bruce Wayne? It, either. Both. Either. I, because he appears as younger than I, like, envision him as, like, Batman in his 30s, and he's been doing this a little while, and then also... But, but shouldn't he? He's not been doing this a while. Yeah, th- I know, this this is I know. second year Batman. He has like only just made his suit, and he also has like this junky rat rod car that he's retrofitted a jet engine onto. Like he's this is early Batman. It just the, it feels like edgy teen without witnessing him. You remember the scene where he looking like, like a teenager. Remember the scene where he broke his goddamn back because he didn't know how to use his fucking flight suit. You mean the best scene in the movie? Yeah, God, that was fun. That was good. Or how like. Literally everyone is constantly helping him and he's not like he this he's not major detective. Alfred has solved the riddle for him, except for like that last bit where he's like, No no no, I'm I'm smart too. They work that in, but Alfred is doing the cipher and Batman's like, Oh yeah, I should probably pay attention to that cipher, huh? Yeah, uh this like 
we're sort of conflating two different Batmans here, right? The Christian Bale Batman, where he's like perfect at everything the first time he tries it, basically. And then this Batman, who's not at all. How old do you think he looks, though? He's a, he's, this is child Batman. This is, I have just aged out of the orphan system, Batman. I disagree. I would say it's like mid, mid twenties to late, late twenties. That's about it. I wouldn't even call late twenties. I do like what they did with the makeup though. Um, having the black circles around his eyes. So it kind of blends into his costume. I like that. But nonetheless, it just like the hair felt jarring. It doesn't look like a young professional and it doesn't look quite like He's a teenager, age-wise. You're, you're doing a good job of pointing out all the good character building. No, he doesn't have a young professional's haircut because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't care about that shit. He I points know. that out at the beginning of the film. He's like, I don't care about that. I get it. So why would he have a young professional's haircut? I don't know. Why does he have that haircut? Why would he take time out of his busy schedule of beating the shit out of fucking criminals to get a haircut? He wouldn't. <laughs> to be fair, he, do- he doesn't look unkempt. He looks like Fallout Boy if they were kind of trying to cram one of them into a Batman suit. I have the unkempt thing going on right now, and there was a phase where I went through that. So, like, yeah, that's kind of part of just letting it all grow out. It looks kind of like that. And he has to shave his fucking face down here because that's what people can see. And if he had a beard, it would be pretty easy to be like, that looks just like Batman's beard. Whereas currently we're tracking him down by the feel of his knuckles. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I feel like I know you. Have you pressed your fucking fist against my face before? (laughs) While we're touching on appearance, I what I did appreciate is that I felt like his voice wasn't so forced mm-hmm. as we've seen in other iterations. Oh, I've it had still people, felt like his voice. I've had people complain about the voices in this movie, and like, well, certainly the police officers have like a pretty wide gambit of different like accents and voices <laughs> they use. You did, you, did, you did bring out the guy that's like absolutely sick of his fucking job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them in in the film, and like maybe that speaks to the diversity of Gotham. There's different people from different like walks of life and different areas and whatnot that are coming together. Sure, it's a and, port city. Yeah, it's a port city a lot of different like cultures would be present certainly but as far as like gordon and batman go like the people who typically have like a certain style of voice i think that they represented that really really well and really believably i'm just saying like while he's in the suit he's not putting on so much of a fake voice that's been really pushed in other batman films like i am batman one thing I wanted going yeah. into this was a more silent Batman. I remember thinking, like, it would be kind of cool if Robert Pattinson brought that, like, from Twilight. He has a lot of scenes where, like, he could be doing a lot of talking and he just doesn't. And I was hoping that would be the case here where he sort of just, like, is silent most of the time. Which would make sense. If you're trying to hide your identity, you wouldn't talk. You would just shut the fuck Why would he need to talk ever, really? Like, while he's in the suit, he could just observe, you know, be like a silent sentinel of sorts. That being said, I also like that it leads to him kind of making mistakes because we have the scene where Catwoman's in the club and she's like talking to him through the radio and he's pushing her and pushing her to do these things and he pisses her off to the point where she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I'm done because you've pushed me, because you've been insensitive, because you're straight up an idiot. And that furthers the previous points we've talked about. This Batman is on his second year. He's kind of bad at this. As he should be. Like, you should be bad. You should be good at, like, one thing as, like, the first year or two of being Batman. And that's kicking the shit out of people. The the Batman joke is that he throws money at his problems. And so he's fixed everything. But I do like that this has has taken him on the, like, all the gadgets in the world doesn't fix the fact that you don't know how to use your wingsuit. And you 
fucking snap your neck on the bridge. And you verbally abuse people when you're trying to do cool spy shit. Like, yeah. all of the all of the money and all the cool gadgets in the world do not fix the fact that you have to interact with other people in order to get the things that you he want. He lacks that charisma. Yeah, and I, I love that. Or the him. understanding of the criminal underbelly for him to be like, no, 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 look at the man. And, and Catwoman, having lived in it, is like, no, 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 we're going to start some shit if I do that. And he's like, I gotta see his face. And it's like, all right, you've... Re- from that point on, you have ruined this endeavor. Yeah. No, I think that is very much the point where he ruins it. Because he could have just waited. He's like, he could have been like, all right, well, keep looking around and try to circle back or something. So you, you think know? he, as Bruce Wayne, Batman, should have recognized that person? The DA? Yeah. <sighs> Maybe. He's been on TV. Like, if you're a crime fighter and you're really invested in justice and high profile, high profile crimes... Maybe you should know what the DA looks like. I mean, again, this is second year Batman. Like, we don't... I think they make a point in the beginning of the movie where it's like, I can't be everywhere, which means he's still picking and choosing he's these low-level muggle crimes. crimes. Yeah, he, <laughs> he saved the man from getting jumped by a gang. That is not high-level crime. And it also implies that he trusts the DA, and that's why he's not keeping tabs on what he looks like or who he is or any of that stuff. He but definitely I, does seem shocked when he's going around being like, and that man's the judge. That man's part of the... That's the whole DA's office. Like, he's shocked at that point. Uh, But I do lean towards Happy's point. That's a good point. Like, he should probably know. Like, the DA of all people, Like, you would know who the commissioner looks like, who the mayor is. Like, maybe also the DA in this, you know, corrupt, shitty city. Yeah. Where you know, like, the shitty's gritty and shitty and, like, people do awful things on a regular basis just because, like, obviously jumping a man is... You know, the peak of entertainment on a Saturday night. Maybe maybe this is his expose into, man, it's not just the muggers and it's not just the criminals. It's actually deep-rooted. That brings us to our next, like, really good point. What does Batman learn across the film? What is his arc? Arc? Yeah. That was his arc. No more for sure. Yeah, no, I I saw that point as a growing point where he's just that scene in itself, him being like, these aren't just criminals. This isn't... This isn't the Marconis, and this isn't isn't the Falcons, and this is DAs and judges and and people who matter politically in Gotham and within the justice system specifically. Right. I think also part of it is, um, you know, he starts out he's like we said handling like petty crime and maybe coming to realize like oh that's just a symptom. He worries of the about corrupt you right. know structure of how Gotham. He's run. worried about making a difference in the beginning of the movie. He's like, I don't know if I'm making a difference hitting these muggers. And at the end he's like, that's his realization is that like this is how I'm gonna make the difference by changing the political structure of Arkham. So m- even if he didn't make that full connection. Well, hold on. Changing the political structure is sort of out of Batman's hands, right? He can't actually affect the political structure. He can, like... Well, well sure. As Bruce, influence as it a Bruce bit, Wayne, he certainly can. Maybe. But, but as Batman, for them to think about, like, man, if I really let this petty... If I let this criminal go through the courts untouched... Batman may come after me. When does Batman actually make the shift between, like, his ideologies? What is the actual specific scene where he realizes, I need to approach this differently? I don't know. I'm vengeance. But that's in the beginning. No, it's at the end. Yeah, and then Batman sort of realizes that he cannot just be vengeance. He can he, he can only help the city so much by beating the ever-loving fuck out of people. He can't just keep doing that. He has to find a different way to change the city to make it better. And he learns in that moment and changes and chooses to try to inspire hope, to try to save people, to try to help them actively, as opposed to punishing them. The difference between, like, 
punitive justice and retributive justice. Justice by helping someone out of a bad situation versus justice by punishing someone so that they won't be doing bad things anymore. And that's sort of Batman's overarching character arc. Sort of his sub-character arc is the like arc of understanding that he is a sort of a privileged uh, person of power that doesn't understand like the world as much as previous iterations of Batman have. I feel like it kind of ties into that riddle earlier that's like... All the different ways that justice can be. It can be cruel, it can be poetic. Then it's like, you don't have to be vengeance, you can be justice. But like, a good one. I think that this is the best way to like, incorporate justice, or I mean, incorporate Batman into the Justice League. That's what they're building up to. Well, well, I don't know if it is. But I do think that like, if we were to have a Batman who could be in something like the Justice League, he would have to learn you can't just be beating the shit out of people you have to be trying to do something more and that's kind of the failing of christopher nolan's batman is he never really considers or learns that like there's more to justice there's more to helping people there's more to changing a city than scaring the shit out of people and beating the fuck out of them i kind of like that in the beginning that he used fear as a weapon that is one of i those. understand like the growth necessary i understand like you have to have a character arc and come to, like, a better place at the end with this type of movie. But, but it, it I did like that grit in the beginning. I, I definitely think it, it, like, them explaining that definitely takes away from the, I Batman and I, I punch the people until they stop doing crimes. Like, for him to be like, I have to be so dramatically brutal to these few people that I can beat the shit out of because I can't beat the shit out of a whole city. Like, that makes sense. Like, that at least the rationale, while, like, has it having its own holes, is still there. And I, I, I do have, like, a point of contention here over, like, a movie has to have, like, a an arc and has to have, like, a good ending point. This is not, like, a good example of, like, oh, we just jammed in, like, a good happy ending thing for everybody to feel good about. This is a meaningful change for, like, the Batman mythos and, like, the Batman character than what we've experienced in previous films. It's not just, like... Oh man, we sure did play a good game of football by the end, didn't we? We really learned how to become a team. You know, like that's not that's not what this is, you know? It should not be like compared to just ah oh, we had to have a happy ending. We had to. Oh I did like uh I did like the fact that um leading up to the oh I gotta learn how to be a better Batman, like preceding that was him failing so dramatically that like a large portion of the city was I mean, I know it wasn't like permanently destroyed, but a port city having its seawalls fucked up is kind of dramatic. And so for him to be like, yeah, you know, the Riddler did outsmart me because, like, he's he's in jail now, but also the city's fucked off. Like, I thought that was pretty cool is that, like, a Batman failing hasn't really been a, a prominent thing. So the Dark Knight was about as close as we've gotten, really, where Batman sort of, like, effectively fails, really. But the movie's sort of, like, upbeat about how he quote-unquote fails. Uh, you did sort of, like touch on something here though like uh, you mentioned this earlier the riddler did he think that him and batman were on the same team mm. one, one of you mentioned this earlier i'm not sure who but uh the idea that like batman and the riddler are in cahoots is like brought up throughout the film and it's only sort of in that like penultimate like exchange that they have the face of it is sort of revealed what were your thoughts on that i feel like he definitely got batman to do what he wanted but he almost played it off in a way where he overestimated Batman's intelligence and thought he was doing it intentionally. Or at I, least that's the way he presented it. I also think a lot of it is his own delusion. The idea that, like, 
not only is Batman intelligent enough to like figure out my riddles, but also he and I believe the same things and are fighting for the same reasons and doing like we're we're doing the same thing here. He's like delusional in that way. He he believes to be on the same team as Batman specifically. I feel like the crazy really came out where when he's in Arkham and he starts that rant about Bruce Wayne. And obviously it's presented in a way where he's coming off to Batman in like an accusatory way. And then it's revealed like, oh, he does he does he actually know or, or? Which is which is interesting because like at the beginning of it it's clear that like both of them think that they're both they start off both thinking that the other person knows more than they do. Right? right? And then it becomes clear that Riddler doesn't know as much as Batman thought he knew. And then by the end of it, it becomes clear that Batman doesn't know as much as the Riddler thought he knew. So so I didn't... Uh, like I, You've mentioned this movie previously where it's like, oh, they played it off like Riddler knows who Batman is, but then he doesn't. But like it very much came off to me that like maybe the Riddler's not trying to expose that to whatever like security system is in Arkham or something like that. Because it feels very much like he knew. Like Batman shows up and he's like, I told you I'd see you in hell. Well, the I'll see you in hell message, I mean, I guess that wasn't addressed directly to Bruce Wayne. That was supposed to be so, addressed to Batman at Bruce Wayne's death. Yeah. So it was a package for Bruce Wayne, but the package had a fireproof portion of it that he knew Batman would get that was specifically for Batman. And it did say to Batman. It didn't say, like, you're Bruce Wayne. Like, you're so, also Batman. You're the same. You know. So, so I guess that's fair. I don't know. It's just, like, his whole monologue there is, like... You know, I knew you'd show up. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. God, doesn't that Bruce Wayne guy suck? And it's like, no, no, you you were right there. You, you were right there. Well, they presented that way intentionally. But it's... I also saw it. Sorry. No, no. I thought it was really interesting where they're like, he's like, I know who you really are. And he's like, you in the mask. Like, this is who you really are. Like, you are the Batman. And it comes up, I think, in, like, one of the animated, like, series of the show where, um, I can't remember the details, but basically they're like, Batman, like, how did you know so-and-so wasn't real? And he's like, because I, I don't call myself Bruce Wayne in my head. I, I call myself Batman. Uh, Batman Beyond. And I believe think that's it, in season two, maybe? Maybe. I'm not sure. But that res, like, I've always kept that because I thought, like, well, that's really, really interesting to show how fucked up in the head this guy is. Or how much he has identified with one aspect of his character and sort of discarded another aspect mm-hmm. of like who he is. I think that uh, any any scene in a film should be they're trying to manipulate what you're thinking or what you're feeling. They're trying to get you to feel or think certain things and those scenes are really good at trying to convince you that when Riddler wrote like I know who you are, or, you know, like I'm going to unmask you, those things, he, he meant like that about certain things. He meant that like I know that you're Bruce Wayne. That type of thing is like what the movie's trying to manipulate you into thinking. Well, they're subverting your expectations, right? Well, yeah. So it ultimately does subvert the expectation that it has established. And specifically, it's uh, really interesting because it says a lot about Riddler's character. That he believes that he knows like who Batman is in that he knows like what his intentions are. Why he's like fighting against crime and why he's doing these things is not because he's trying to make the city a better place, but because he's trying to prove how fucked up the city really is. That's what Batman's trying to do. And Riddler can help him with that. They can help each other with that. That's, like, the the overarching, like, message of that, like, what Riddler believes, like, what he thinks as he's doing these things and what he thinks specifically in that scene. You know, we'd go to hell together, you know, because I got caught. I'm sure you'd want to get caught. All the ducks are in a row. We're good to go. We're done here. We're going to watch the fallout of this thing that we've set up and... Yeah. 
in reality, um, Batman's like ignorant to everything that's going on. And we see him graduate from small time crime to like real corruption and real like high stakes. Right. Like he thought he thought the penultimate like crime ruining the city. What was just mafioso crime families and uh, like extortion at the docks or whatever the fuck like drug rings. And for him to be like, oh, no, there's a man that could straight up destroy half the city. Yeah, that's a good point. You too. Like. Specifically, we do get to watch him evolve from going, like, around every night beating up these people to, like, hey, there can be, like, an insidious plot to, like, actively ruin the city by various, like, government groups and, like, various criminal groups, like, working together. And then even furthering that to go to a place of straight terrorism. There could be, like, an active, like, terror threat here that's, like, on par with an act of God, you know? And that's, like, something interesting, too, like... The movie ends on a point of a flood, forcing everyone into one arc-like location. Oh, I just got that analogy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I joked about it where it was like, oh, Batman fell into the water. Baptism. That always baptism. But it kind of was. <laughs> and, it, and it also was like, it very much, there's a lot of people who claim that when they see that scene, I know I felt it when I was watching it for the first time, that as Batman's falling, they're like, is he going to die from this? Because it looks like, you know, the electricity and all that stuff, you could fall into the water and just die, you know? Felt kind of like for a moment there that this was his, like, Christ moment where he's sacrificing himself to potentially save other people by reducing the, like, shockwave of the electricity. You know, if the whole thing fell in there, it'd be a lot more than if he just cut it off and fell in with it, you know. So there's, like, a a moment of, like, fear in that way. And then he rises up from his, quote-unquote, death, rises again, and then uses his, like, second coming to save people and, like, bring them to salvation. Gross. And, like, throughout the film, too, Riddler sort of serves as, like, a Old Testament Bible god where he, like, you know, he's working in the backgrounds of things, but ultimately all of the things he's doing in the background are, like, horrible, violent acts. With it, with his many cult worshippers that are like, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, we should kill all the politicians. It's God, amazing. why didn't we think of that first? It's amazing what you can do with 500 followers, huh? Uh, just <laughs> 500, my God. The fact that, like, nobody caught on to that, too, is kind of infuriating. What year is this movie set in? I don't know. Sort of like ambiguously present day, right? Right, right. Let's just assume that it's now. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know. It feels kind of it wrong to feel put like it. Now. Yeah, it feels wrong to put it like in 2022. It feels like it should be like, I don't know, 1999 maybe? Or I, I don't know if that's just tied into like how Batman feels, like how Batman just will always feel like a noir thing that isn't happening right now. Well, I also think they specifically have a lot of the technology in the, in the film be like, it is advanced, but also kind of janky. And it's like some of it like really? works, works better than you would think it would. I guess. I don't know. The only time I saw high tech anything was when he pulled out his satellite laptop, which I think are still janky <laughs> to this day. Well, there's also the part where he has like the cell phone that's like clearly meant to look like an iPod or like an iPhone, you know. And that could be 2010, you know. Sure. I don't know. It just felt like weirdly, like a weird mix of like current technology and like technology of yesteryear. I don't know. None of the technology struck me as that. I just felt like it still had that gritty, like, New York, New York isn't nearly as gritty as people in movies portray it to be. And so Gotham very much had that, like, oh, the, the train overpass is leaking and none of the lights work. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like old New Yorky. Yeah, that feels badass. Let's put it in there like yeah. that. So do you think that that, like, helped the world building or made it feel kind of, like, out of place a little bit? Like, why the fuck is this place so, like half futuristic half like ye olde no i think that i think that fits with gotham's thing of being like you know we're the city of tomorrow but also like 
all the money that goes into making the city of tomorrow is actually getting funneled away to the crime overlords. Yeah. Very much felt like Gotham. I feel like too much yeah. high tech would take away from the feel. Like, especially since this is supposed to be young Batman, like, I keep bringing up his fucking, like, Chevy Nova-esque car that he crammed a jet engine into. Yeah. It's like, it's just enough Batmobile for me to get it, but, like, also enough for it to be like, God, like, like he hasn't called it the Batmobile yet. He's like, God, I need a Chevy Nova, but faster, jet engine. And it's like, it doesn't quite have all the Batmobile aesthetics, but, like, the Chevy Nova kind of already did. There are some cars that are more Batmobile than other cars, I'll give you that. Right, so I think he definitely, like, he hasn't been like, oh, Alfred, we need we need a Batmobile and a Batmobike. And it's like, uh, sorry, sir, you're, just, you're gonna have to deal with this old piece of shit and uh, the regular motorbike, please. I kind of took it, like, like maybe he just likes cars, like, when they're in that scene. Those weren't his cars, though, that was the mayor's cars. Right, but he, like, appreciated them. I don't know, I'm just saying, like... I thought the person who appreciated them was Gordon. Yeah, yeah, Gordon, Gordon was like, oh, these are fucking... Yeah. I went specifically with the Batmobile. Yeah. I kind of looked at it like, oh, maybe he likes old cars. Like, maybe he just, that's kind of like his thing. And when he drives, like, up to the funeral or whatever, he's, like, in an older car. I don't know. I'm not I did think it was person. neat that he was driving himself. I definitely thought that. I noticed that. was that. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, he's supposed to be, he, he goes up and, and Carmine was like, oh, the prince of the city. And it's like, Alfred didn't drive you? Yeah, he, like, he drove himself. With like, you no drove security. yourself in a fucking, we didn't even see his car. Like, really, we just saw that he was in a car, but he was driving himself. Yeah, with, with no security. And he's like, oh, yeah, just pardon me. Excuse me. It's just, I'm just Bruce fucking Wayne. Pardon me. Yeah. One of the greatest celebrities Gotham has ever had. Yeah, yeah. One of the most elusive Driving my goddamn dudes. Camry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back on, like, the aesthetic, I think they did pretty good with the mix. Cause I was just thinking, like, oh, if they had, like, an Apple store just, like, out in the open, that really would have broke my impression. I did like that everything kind of felt old-timey. Like, the diner on the corner felt old-timey. Mm-hmm, yeah. His apartment looked, like, you know, grimy and, like, shitty and whatnot. I think, I know it's meant to, but, like... Or the church, like, when they're doing the whole thing, uh, the, the whole funeral thing for the mayor in this old-timey gothic church batman's phone when he's like calling to like let them know that alfred's about to get house exploded like the phone that like the the lady dory like picks up it's like an old-timey phone it's Mm -hmm. not like a newer nicer phone it's like that old phone you know right with a with a fucking dial with thing. The, yeah, with yeah, an yeah. actual rotary dial. I've been trying to get a hold of you. Obviously, you didn't have your Apple Watch on. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you pull out your cell phone and oh, call I, all the numbers you have for me? I turned off my beeper while I was beating people up at the fish market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's 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 so much to talk about with this movie. I feel like there are a couple of like key things we're sort of missing here. Oh, which character do you think suffered the most from them sort of like rushing like through uh, different plot points? Uh, I feel like. Catwoman, I guess. I also was going to say Catwoman because she has a bunch of points where they touch on her where it's like she's buying and selling drops or fucking whatever from Penguin and she's got on the one outfit with the one wig and then she goes back to her apartment and like gets into her Catwoman outfit and she's got a different wig later on. She kept on coming back to the red wig so I don't know if that was like her favorite wig. She only wears the red wig once and she wears a pink wig like... For the other one. Oh, I, well, maybe I, didn't, maybe I didn't see the differentiation between the red and the pink wig. The red wig is shorter and the pink wig is a lot longer. Oh, okay. And, of course, the color difference, too. Yeah, I, just, I didn't notice it. Well, it, she's also in that, like, dark red-themed nightclub, so I guess I didn't really catch on. Did you notice the color themes? Red and blue? Nothing? Okay. No, no, it's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's fine. There's a lot of, lot of red and blue used throughout the film. I noticed. Yeah. Um... Uh, I think Alfred got screwed the hardest. Uh, he has like a yeah. really interesting... 
interesting dynamic that's established almost right away with Bruce, where Bruce is like, stop badgering me, Alfred. You're not my father. And I'm like, damn, this movie's going hard. It's about to like really dive deep on the like relationship between Bruce and Alfred and like really get into it. Nope. He's also presented as very intelligent. Yeah. Right, right. Like, I mean, they touch on it briefly where it's like, I thought I could teach you how to fight and that might help. And it's like, all right, so... You basically have taught Batman to be Batman and then like are still currently teaching Batman to be Batman because you're going through this cipher, which... Batman's like, I figured it out. I don't need any more help. Yeah. <laughs> Worst greatest detective. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm done. And then later on, it's like, oh, well, hey, Alfred, could you, could you do this cipher too? Like, not that I need your help, but like, if you, if you could do this one. If you had some really, spare time. That'd be you really know? sweet. Between running my company and opening my mail and... Yeah, all this shit. So Alfred just does everything and is probably like ex-KGB officer or whatever the no, fuck. He's, he's ex-British uh, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So, so Al- Alfred British is the man, services, yeah. which I get because, you know, in various iterations, it's been like Alfred is just the man who makes Batman his sandwiches in this iteration. And then also like, hey, I'm the badass that like should have been Batman, except like I'm not I'm not a Wayne. No, yeah, I'm, I don't have like a psychosis in me that like makes me want right. to do these things. But it's there's never like a medium in that. There's like... I remember seeing a comic where um, Batman's like, I guess I'll let you go now because I don't kill people. And then Alfred comes in with a bat and he's like, I have, have no such <laughs> conservations. That, or Alfred very much has killed people. Absolutely. Like he is, um, he's a war veteran. He's seen some shit. <laughs> but it's it's always like one or the other. Like Alfred either beat, like kills the people that Batman won't kill or is the man who makes Batman his sandwiches. There's never like a medium line where he like kills a man and then makes the sandwich. I did like the uh, Christopher Nolan uh, Alfred. I felt like that was a pretty good representation of the character as like being a genuine like helpful force for Batman. And very much he's sort of on the line of just a little bit outside the line of like, oh, I just make his sandwiches. He's like a little bit closer to like, I'm a part of the gang too, but not there. Exactly. Right, yeah, yeah, he's he's never Alfred with a bat. He's he's very much Alfred with like, I have some very interesting war stories and like times where I've seen some fucked up shit, but not like, oh dang, Batman's in trouble. I better hop in the like... In, <laughs> in the Alfred a, copter! And fucking... Yeah, or, like, there, there are certainly animated series portions where Alfred has like gotten into the bat suit and pretended to be Batman to cover up for Bruce Wayne. Like, they're like, wait a second, Bruce Wayne could be Batman. And then Alfred shows up in the bat suit and is like, <clears throat> and like runs by and, like, and they're like, oh no, no, because there's Batman right there. He couldn't be Bruce Wayne. Okay, cool. Thanks, like, Alfred. Oh, oh, thank God. Thank God, Alfred. <laughs> yeah. I remember that being a really cool episode of one of the animated series. I'm not sure which one. It might have just been Batman the Animated Series. But yeah, I, I feel like Alfred got the shortest end of the stick, and that's really frustrating because, like like you said, like it, his he looks cool, and he sounds interesting, and he's got cool stuff going on with his dynamic with Batman, but we just don't get a lot of it. We get two right. scenes with him. Yeah, and then this we don't is... see him, and then he's got a scene where he doesn't talk, and he gets uh, blown up in another questionable explosion. Then we see him again. He has one more meaningful dialogue with Batman, and we just... We don't visit him again. And it was a three-hour movie. It's not like you this couldn't is probably, have made a little bit more time. This is probably closest to middle-of-the-road Alfred that you can get. And, like, the fact that it's an undesirable rendition, I think, is fair. Like, I, I definitely think you either got to, like, lean hard at Team Alfred or, or you know, like, this middle-of-the-road thing feels like you missed something. Yeah. Out of all the representations of Alfred, though, I really do think there's something special in this one in that, like his relationship with Bruce is so bad at the start of the film. Mm. Like, they're arguing with each other, basically. And he's like, hey, you've got to be a Wayne. And he's like, I'm not a Wayne. I'm Batman. Fuck you. And it's like, damn, like, that's... Those are interesting opinions and interesting things to explore. And they just 
Fucking don't. In a three-hour like goddamn son. movie. Teenage son and dad. Yeah. That, that. Um, like, in obviously we we're watching him, like, Batman mature through this, but I felt confused and like, what age is he supposed to be? Because he feels like an 18-year-old punk. Do you think that the next Batman movie will be set after this one or before it? Definitely after. It can only be after. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep. How do you know? I don't want to do the origins again. Be- because, uh... <laughs> God, I can imagine having flashbacks, but it has to be after. Unless we're... Because if we do it before, it would only be interesting if it was Thomas Wayne's story. And unless he was Batman as well. Like, was there a Batman before Batman? There are some stories where certainly Batman-esque things happen, but never really like a full-blown Batman. How about this? What about the Joker? He's in Arkham. Did Batman put him there? Or was he just there because he's a known baddie that the cops got before Batman was really on the scene? Or was that like year one Batman? Yeah. But I mean, can we can we go from this to accepting a worse Batman? I mean, so one thing that films always do, they consistently do this. A character will have a shitload of like character development in a movie, and then the next time we see them in a movie, they have to start in a place that's either like the same place that they ended the previous movie on, but now it's not as like fulfilling as it seemed like it would be at the end of the last movie, or they start in a place lower than they were at the end of the last movie, and they have to find a way to like have an arc and end in a nice happy place uh, again. So a great way to circumvent that problem of like resetting your character so they can get to like happiness again, they can have their three-act structure arc and everything, would be to set them before the events of that movie. To set them in like, hey, what if we explored him in Batman Year One where he's making a lot more mistakes and he's like a lot more aggressive with And he just has literally a normal car without the jet engine and he doesn't have the wingsuit. We could do all kinds of stuff, right? Sure. And I get how like a lot of people are like, no, we can only move forward with movies because that's how time works, duh. And, like, I just I just find it so interesting that this is, like, a universally, like, hated concept of, like, hey, let's start in the middle of the story and then go backwards. And then, like, name name a film franchise that does that. Where it's, like, the first movie is the middle of it and then we the next movie is backwards in time from the content of the first film. And then the third film is the... You know, I've, I've never seen this in, like, sequential films, but, like, I know it happens, like, within a film. Within the singular structure of a singular film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can certainly be the case. yeah. But, like, it's just, it's such a universally hated idea, and I don't see why. Like, there are interesting things in this film. So, like, here's the reason this is, like, such a frustrating point for, like, a, a person who cares about films and filmmaking. The the Wachowskis made The Matrix, right? Sure. Probably one of the greatest films ever. I don't know. I've never seen it. It's really good. <laughs> Have you really never seen it? I've really never seen The Matrix. Oh, Jesus. Okay. It was really good. People loved it. They loved it so much that Warner Brothers was like, hey, we need to get another one out of you guys. And they were like... Great. We'd love to. We have like a prequel that we'd like to do that tells the story leading up to the events of the Matrix and how like all this stuff happened and why the machines are doing this to people and all this other stuff. Like it's really interesting and cool stuff. And they're like, no, just sequels. Nobody wants a prequel. Prequels are always like either like the third thing to come out. You have to have one, two, and then maybe a prequel. Yeah, I think Star Wars might have like ruined that for everybody by that point with like the Phantom Menace and whatnot being like, oh, this is like a cool prequel, but only once we've already had three films, basically. And it's it's really frustrating because... So The Matrix was, like, considered a masterpiece, and then both of its sequels are considered pretty hot garbage. They're fine. They, they, they're serviceable. But if you just watch The Matrix, and then they actually ended up making the prequel movie they wanted to make, not, like, the way they wanted to make it per se. They probably wanted to do it similar to the way they did The Matrix. They made it The Animatrix, where it's just sort of, like small vignette stories 
explaining various things about the Matrix. And there's one specifically that's very clearly a very condensed version of what they wanted a sequel or a prequel to be. And it's so fucking good. And it's really frustrating that common consensus is, well, if we've already seen this one, we don't want to see what came before it because we already see what how that's going to end. And it's just people not engaging with their imagination very well. Because, like, you can watch The Matrix, and I can sit here and grill you questions about what the pre- the prequel might be about. You'll never get it. It's very well-constructed. It's very imaginative. It's very interesting. A good storyteller can make this stuff really cool. But people just don't want to give it a shot. That's crazy to me. One thing I didn't really like about the film, every time the Riddler does that, like, weird screaming thing... Oh, God, that was so bad. Cringy as fuck. And I don't know if that's, like, actually kind of good, because that's what, like, a cringy, like, edgelord who has 500 followers, and they teach him how to, like, shoot rifles and use detonators and whatnot and all that crap. Like, one of those kinds of guys might behave to try to intimidate someone. Maybe, but, like, does feel very much forced and awkward and not good. It felt forced, but I was willing to, to accept it up until the end where he's wearing that same mask and he's like, God, I just want to thank all of my subscribers. And it, <laughs> and he did the thing in his normal voice. Like, it wasn't even like he had a modulator or anything like that for his voice. It was just him doing the supervillain thing. That's when he felt most genuine. Uh, there's a good argument to be made for that, actually. Maybe, maybe when he was doing his big screaming over-the-top performance, that's when he was being himself. His most emotionally vulnerable, whereas, like, he puts back on his office worker persona to be like, and I just want to thank everybody. For, for following me on this journey. Yeah. Thank you so much for providing me with all the help and tips and whatnot. Like, it was very, like, weird to see him in his, like... This is my last-minute call for my Patreon. Yeah, his, <laughs> his nine-to-five voice, like, oh... But that's, that felt like the most him. Like, he just feels like this... I'm confused. Are you saying that, like, his, like, jovial sort of, like, speech pattern is his most, like, authentic self... Or is it that, like, wild, over-the-top, like, speech pattern that's his most authentic self? I feel like the wild, over-the-top is him putting on an act in a show. Like, he's this non-intimidating person in his day-to-day. When you look at him, he's not particularly imposing. He knows all he has is his brain, and he's trying to scream, you know? And it just, it doesn't feel right. And obviously, the only reason, like, that the DA is scared is he's got a bomb around his neck. But he annotates later that, like, when he's in his mask and he's being, like, the Riddler, that's him. Like, he, that's when, he, when he's talking to Batman and he's like, I know that, like, your mask is so good and, like, I, I know that, like, everyone's trying to see what's underneath, but that's not who you are. You are the mask. Like, that's when I felt most myself was when I'm wearing my mask and whatnot. And certainly he can do the jovial voice while wearing the mask, too, but, like, I think the heart of what he's getting at is... He is the supervillain persona and not the like, hey, everybody, thanks for coming in and I appreciate seeing you. That's not like his authentic self. That's the that's the mask that he's putting on to like try to keep people nice and happy and whatnot with like what he's doing here. You, you can also kind of see him like devolve when when he's like when he's starting to get the Batman and him are not on the same wavelength. Like he has these like from the bottom of his chest screams that like goes into him finishing his sentence or something like that. Like you can tell that. Like, he is that loud, emotional person when he's not holding himself in control. How did he not get the shit kicked out of him? That's a good question, like... What do you mean? Riddler never really got any, like, physical beatdown. He got, like, arrested, and they they weren't even that brutal with him when they were arresting him. They, like, held him down, put the cuffs on him, and then carried him out. That was it. He didn't get beat up. He didn't get fucking nothing. Hmm. Yeah, nothing. Whereas when he when he drank the the Mountain Dew juice, he just he almost fucked. By the way, that man's face came out entirely too intact for the beating that he received. 
Yeah, you were expecting him to come out looking. You, you oh, afterward, like when they took the mask off of him, it would just be the penguin's face underneath, and you'd yeah. be like, "Damn, the penguin's here!" And you'd be like, "No, I'm a different guy. I just look yeah. alive now." No, no, no. I've, I've just been flat. I wanted them to take the mask and go. <laughs> put it back. Put it back. Put it back. <laughs> like when they when they peel the mask off, it takes some of his face with it. Oh god. <laughs> Gordon made it seem like that's what was going to happen. Like, stop hitting him. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was weird. He like, made it seem like he had literally pummeled. He had pummeled his face. I mean, he oh. kind of did. That was definitely and the then, most time he spent beating up a single person in the movie. Because everybody else is like, eh, eh. And they're like, all right, he's down. And he's like, oh, you punched me. And then that guy's down. The first guy that Batman beats up gets quite the beating, actually. Like, he beats the fuck out off of him. And then, like, the guy is, like, on the ground. And he gets down on the ground with him and punches him a couple times in the face. I mean, true. That was pretty bad. So the guy's standing for most of it, which is why I guess I'm willing to write it off. It's like, he could have very well put that man on the ground, like, immediately. I'm willing to get that. But yeah, he's like holding the guy. But then when he's on the ground, it's like two punches and then he looks up. At least right. I'm pretty sure it was like two. Whereas this this is him drinking the mountain juice, six six punches before they pull him off the man. I don't know. I just He spent so much time focused on the one individual. It felt like the most time that he spent on a single individual in the whole movie. Well, he's jacked up on adrenaline. While he's jacked up on, on beating juice. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, the man came out like about as rugged as he looked in the church scene. He, he was blushing. He was yeah. like, oh my. <laughs> the George Takei response. <laughs> <laughs> Batman, you dog. Yeah. They had to keep him recognizable so we could pull him back to that He still scene. had his teeth and shit. Like, he was able to talk back. Like, he should have been, at minimum, unconscious, at a medium, lacking teeth. I like, think this comes back to Ashley's earlier point where this is a PG-13 movie, can't have blood, can't have a man with a hugely fucked up face. Yeah. I think that's exactly what this is. Well, now now all the kids that were able to watch this movie because it's PG-13 know that beat the shit you out of each other. fucking like eight hits to the dome and you'll still come up being like, alright, well, wow, he's next. perfectly okay. He can go to church the next yeah. day, he'll be fine. We'll do, do this next week, guys? Yeah. I, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for how this movie should never have gotten away with a PG-13. Very very much should have been R, and once they got that R rating back and they were told, like, you have to change all this stuff to get it to PG-13, they should have been like, all right, we're just going to have to be R, there's nothing they, we can do about they it. They should have gotten the R and been like, so since we're R anyways, yeah. how, how much further can we go? Wait, 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 how many fucks can we use now? Right. <laughs> Before it was only one, so... Now, how long until it's unrated and unproducible? That far? Okay, sure. Oh, honestly, honestly, there's a good discussion to be had here on can we make unrated superhero movies at this point like are superhero movies so ubiquitous that people are going to see them no matter what and if it says this movie is not yet rated or this movie is not rated this movie has received a not rated like rating from the like mpa film rating system would people still go and see iron man 4 where now it's an unrated film could have anything in it i mean i guess it's a matter of whether they're going to be able to stick it in movie theaters right because i know that like that's a selling point for some of the i don't even remember what the last unrate but like i know that it's been on movie boxes where it's like this is the unrated edition and that's a selling point for for some franchises so is the fact that they're not going to be able to make box office returns on it worth being unrated so unrated doesn't mean that a movie theater can't have it in the theater. I understand not can't, but generally won't. Uh, it's up to the theater. So like, if it is something like, hey, Matt Reeves, a well-known director, Batman movie, a well-known franchise, 
or well-known like property starring you know Robert Pattinson and well-known and like all this litany of other sure well-known actors I think that at a certain point after all of those positives and all the like positive like buzz this movie got online I think eventually like theaters would have to say like shit I guess we have to right like there's you can't pass it up there's too much money to be lost here see I don't know enough about the industry to know like who's holding the keys to the castle exactly you, you know what I mean because a lot of a lot of movies are like Sort of like how they got it down to PG-13. It's so, like, more people would see it. It's got a more open audience. Like, I definitely think if they're like, hey, there's there's all these people in it. Yeah, like, it's Batman. Like, it's the new Batman. Like, we have to have it in our theaters. All right, but what if it's just, like, fucking three hours of Batman fucking somebody? I well, it's it. Batman. I, I get it. You would probably watch it if he was shirtless the whole time. Right. Which, I mean, I get it. He probably would be. But but you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a cutoff point where, like... Either wait, hold on. What if it was like an all like a three hours of just Robert Pattinson railing it out with fucking various various, various Batman villains where he's like, I'm gonna fuck the Joker back in Arkham, but he's got a shirt on the entire time, <laughs> or he's got his entire bat suit on the entire time, like he doesn't take it off. He's that just got the bat so crotch missing. <laughs> <laughs> Disengage bat crotch, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? It's like that. Like, there's, there's a cutoff point to what DC wants to be associated with. You know, they, they're selling a product that has currently, like, ha- people think about it a certain way. Sure. I, I'm willing to accept the R rating because, like, the R rating being like, wow, they really went all out. But, like, I, I don't know who makes that decision where it's like, oh, it's unrated, which in the past has meant, like, oh, this is National Lampoon and you actually see the guy's dick. There's a connotation to unrated. Are there any R-rated, like, superhero movies that you can think of? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know enough about the superhero movies or the ratings. I don't pay attention to the ratings. To be fair. Fair enough. Uh, Logan is probably the big one. Okay. That's considered that's R-rated. It's R-rated and it's considered like a masterpiece. Effectively. Okay. It's considered really, really, really fucking good. Deadpool is R-rated and Deadpool two, of course. Sure. Um, How much further do those movies need to go to be unrated? Oof. Uh, unrated is typically it's it is like a, a much like deeper dive uh you can get unrated for things as simple as like showing a woman orgasm actual needles in arms like that kind of stuff can get you an unrated uh like for requiem for a dream i I imagine is what we're referencing here so i guess that's my question is like what does batman need to do to be unrated because if we see the heroin riddled batman that could be a story the only thing batman needs to do to be unrated is not submit to being rated all right yeah yes that's it it's true. Like, you can just say, fuck the rating system, I'm not going to do it. And that's enough. And you can just do that. Yeah, th- you can just do that. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very possible. The problem is, is that, as, as Ashley pointed out earlier when she said, you know, can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? No. You're right. Production companies and executives and whatnot are going to get in the way of that. When WB is behind it and they have all that money and all these things to lose, they're not going to say, yeah, run the gamble of, like, not getting it rated and just put it out as an unrated film. Right. I've, I've dumped $3 billion into this movie and for people to be like, oh, it's unrated? No. Can I follow up with, uh, do you know, did they make toys for this movie? Are there toys? Oh! That's a really good question and I'm not exactly sure, but I feel like the answer has to be yes. Like, it has probably, to be. It's probably right. There has to be a McDonald's somebody in the world that that's is, cranking out Robert Pattinson's shirtless. <laughs> that is a huge return on their investment in this movie. It's and uh, that's why they're always going to try and go like that PG-13 because they, they want to sell those toys. They want to sell the Chevy Nova with the fucking jetpack in the back in the next Happy Meal. So, uh, 
it's interesting that you keep bringing up Happy Meals. It is Batman, like the the, the older like like Tim Burton era sort of Batman movies that caused us to have that like huge surge in like specifically film franchise toys at McDonald's. There was a weird amount of connection between McDonald's and those Batman movies back in the day. There was a huge push for, like, you need to make these movies more kid-friendly. And, like, you remember Michelle Pfeiffer? Remember her? Pfeiffer? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's Michelle Pfeiffer, but I, I always like to pronounce the P. The I P pronounce sound. the P in everything I possibly can, like pterodactyls. Yeah, pterodactyls. Of um, but, no, I, I don't know actress names, so, but she, I recognize she, Pfeiffer. She, she played uh, Catwoman in one of the older... She was the Catwoman in the Penguin older Batman movie. Cool. Uh, and I think that's the one specifically where Batman is played by Doc Holliday from Tombstone. Okay. That movie, I remember how, like the toys were like pushed to be more kid-friendly, but the movie is really dark and weird. <laughs> it also might be Michael Keaton as Batman in that one. I might be misremembering. I don't know. So many people have played Batman. Michael Keaton. Jesus. God, who's, uh, there, was, there was a Batman with George Clooney, right? Yes, there was. Okay. Yeah. That's the only one I remember because I love them riffing on old Batman where they, they, they landed on the, the fucking whatever. And uh, Robin at the time was like, holy rusted metal Batman. And it's like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> He's like, we're, we're, we're standing on a rusty metal full of holes. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, I just I know a lot of movies push for merch. Spaceballs specifically made the joke about like, oh, the money we're going to make on merch. They made no merch. But yeah, like the, 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 specifically the joke they're making there is that Star Wars, the craziest thing about Star Wars is that in the probably the most accidentally intelligent moves of all time, George Lucas was like, yeah, we can split up the rights to the movie and the like, the royalties and the money making on that. That's fine. But I want all of the merchandising rights. So if we make any money off of merchandising, it's mine. And we've got Star Wars Legos and Star Wars lightsabers and Star Wars napkins and st- yep. like Star Wars fucking everywhere. And so for them to make, for them to even be willing to make a Batman movie that they can't market to fucking kids, I find it unrealistic. And it's and it's so crazy because we said this earlier, like this is not a movie that's targeting children at all. Right. For like actually watching the movie. like a I would have enjoyed it more if they had like gone to the limits of what I was expecting. The shitty explosions could have been better. Like, the, the fact that they were clearly, like, hearkening to, like, Saw movies with this sort of, like, rigs that the Joker would set up, and then they didn't pay out in the way that, like, Saw movies do, was really disappointing for They're me. like, look, there's a maze that the rats had to go through, and it's like, I could hardly see that the man had a rat face. They're like, look, we've got rats, and it's, and uh, where did the tubes go? You'll never know. Like, you can kind of guess that they went to his face somewhere but we didn't we didn't even see the body where it's like i was waiting for something poetic about that it's like oh he saw something and then he ratted it out so i had the rats eat his eyes that would have been fucking nifty there's there's so many like moments for like cool and interesting scenes and specifically scenes that are paying homage to like other films like a lot of this movie is paying homage to other films the whole fucking movie is basically just seven from uh, david fincher's like catalog of like uh, noir drama uh, crime detective situations if you ever watch seven you're gonna be like yeah, this is just the Batman movie, but better because it actually shows all the fucked up stuff. Right. So I, I wish they had done done it. So we can agree, like, they uh, went halfway yeah. on, on a lot of stuff in this movie. A lot of half measures, yeah. For very much the rating is the only thing I can... Can I bring up one more thing that sure, yeah. I feel like didn't feel professional or, like, kind of... They kind of, like, half-assed mm. is, uh... I hated every scene that felt like it was being filmed from a GoPro. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just... It just felt out of place felt weird like there's this one point where you know like 
when he jumps off in the wingsuit before he crashes into the bridge or whatever. It's panned on his face and it stays focused on his face and you can see his body move and it just looks weird. There's another one where like it's- In the beginning on his bike. It's filming, yeah, like the bike tire and it just felt so out of place for me. It and didn't it just match. broke my immersion and I just didn't think it was good filmmaking choice. But I wish they had done it like more thoroughly throughout the movie because it seemed like there was a couple of times where like, hey, this is a really cool shot. You know what else is a really cool shot? When fucking like BMX riders uh, go through the air with the GoPro on the back of the helmet. Let's just and they stick it to the back of Batman's head and say, go nuts. If more of the movie had been like body cam while he's fighting his way through the Penguins Club or something like that. Like there was a movie what's it called nobody or something like that where they do that there's or, a bunch of movies that do that yeah thing. yeah where they do it from the first person's perspective if they just leaned more on it it wouldn't feel so unnatural the four times they use it in the movie so I agree it is like one of the things that suffers from the half measure thing where like we're gonna use it but like only a little bit and typically very poorly I did like the one where it was following the tire I didn't like any of the ones where it was following his fucking face. Because his face looks weird all the time in that. But if it's just like focusing on something that's not the person specifically, I think it looks cool and interesting and it's a different angle than we normally get. So that feels at least unique. If not good, at least it's something we wouldn't see in another movie very likely. For me, it just felt jarring and like it broke my immersion. Sure, yeah, I, I, it yeah. just didn't do it for me. I like I said, I wish they, I wish they had done it more. Like I wish there was more chase scenes where it was, uh, you know, like we're we're watching, uh, we're watching Catwoman talk on the phone in the cab, which we don't get a lot from that conversation. At least I don't feel like we do. We're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way. Yeah, we can leave. Okay, bye. And and we they could have done the GoPro thing outside the cab there. Like they could have done something else to just work the GoPro in more. On the note of the Catwoman thing, do yeah. you feel like her relationship with Bruce is kind of forced? Because like I thought it was non-existent actually. Like, yeah, it felt I, very non-existent until the end where they're like, "So, uh, what you think? No, okay, cool." She comes across as a woman that obviously has sexual trauma. And she's trying to use that as a way to manipulate him, as far as the way I, that I saw it. But it definitely didn't feel any romance. I mean, she doesn't know who this man is. I think the movie tried... This is another instance of the movie trying to manipulate your like what you're thinking and what you're feeling. In like a lot of those scenes where they like get real close to each other kind of thing, you know? And it's been done previously where they do the, uh, the sexualized fight scene. And then they're like cuddled up waiting for the guard to go away. And it's like... And then she's just snippy about it. She's like, give me the passport back. It's kind of like fighting can also mean sex. Yes. Yes, precisely. Yeah. There's a lot of like, especially in older films before they could even imagine portraying sex in a film. Remember, like the first time a toilet was ever in a film was the movie Psycho. And I think that came out in like the 1960s. And nobody was using the toilet. Yeah. It wasn't even in use. It was just there. That was the first time. Uh, so keep that in mind when I explain to you that, like, if they wanted to have a sex scene, they would just have the characters dance or maybe, like, wrestle or, or fight or something like that, which right. is as close to sex as you can get without actually having sex or even implying that sex is happening. Right. But but that's the thing. It's like, that's, that's the passionate part of the movie. And there's mm-hmm. not, like, anything leading up to that. He's like, surprise, fake sex scene. And then, like... They're just fucking snooty with each other the whole movie. I, I do like that, like, Batman consistently, like, shows up behind her and is like, one lighter. <laughs> it's like, okay, Batman, I see you trying to spit your game, I guess, but this is a really shitty way to do that. But yeah, I, I felt like the, the romance between Catwoman and Batman was, again, it suffered from the, like, hey, we're kind of trying to rush through this. And he's just, like, literally in the middle of saying, like, okay, I agree, I'll help you find your dead girlfriend, question mark? 
Because they never. No, 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 we're just friends. Yeah, they never said like that's the other thing is like ambiguous bisexuality in Catwoman because it's a PG thirteen movie and we wouldn't want kids to know that bisexuals exist. <laughs> they were just roommates. <laughs> I just called her honey and babe and sweetheart like I do with everyone. God, she's just a kid. That line hit me kind of weird. Yeah. Like, uh, we're, uh, nah, nah. She was old enough for you to have uh, fights with her, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> really good dance scenes. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't feel any chemistry with them. I, I didn't feel a whole lot of chemistry. I felt like, again, the movie was trying to like prey on our understanding of how movies work, where it's like, wow, those characters' faces are really close to each other. Maybe if they got a little closer, they'd be kissing. And like, that's what it's trying to like convince you is happening here, and that equals romance. But that's not actually romance. They don't have like a meaningful connection. Even when she's like, I'm scared. What, what if they can see the, the contacts in my eyes? And he's like, I've got your back. Don't worry. No, I can see you. Yeah, I, I'm watching you. I'm, I'm watching, watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, I, uh, you brought it up, like, or oh, I yeah, brought it up, where I was like, no, 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 that's that's not what I fucking asked you, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not helpful here. Please stop. God, did you know they all have guns? God, I'm hungry. <laughs> cool, Batman. Thanks. <laughs> there is like, I, there's a part of me that's like, is this Bruce Wayne? Like, is he mentally like? He's Ill? definitely. He definitely. Um, <laughs> codes as on the spectrum. Yeah, like there's a, there's a degree of this. Like he's like bat, like fucking Alfred is like, oh god, I almost died, and I'm just coming out of my coma, and he's immediately like, answer ridiculously difficult questions for me now. <laughs> Calm down, dude. I've been staring at you for the past hour, just waiting for you to wake up so I can start this shit. Batman, you have to like also consider your obligations as like a business person. Your family. Has- <laughs> no, no, I want to fight crime. <laughs> You're not my dad. <laughs> So I said he came off as well, both eighteen and thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. He does very come, very much come off as like mature, but not at all mature. Yeah, it's just of age, not mature. Yeah, but I feel like we've talked about this enough. Uh, thank you. Uh, guys, for showing up, I really appreciate getting to talk to with you. I about thought this. you were going to thank the listeners. And I was like, No, you don't do that. I will not do that. Yeah, if they want to listen, that's on them. <laughs> so we'll just we'll just close it there. Then. Yeah.